Okay, so tonight, or last night by the time you watch this, um, they did an episode on Bash of the Beach 2000, WCW Bash of the Beach 2000. And uh, I I'm going to tell you personally, from experience, I was, and this is the truth, I was about two months in to living on my own. Yeah, I had moved into my apartment. I was on the, I, I'm assuming it was the second floor or third floor, one of the two. I think it was the second floor. And long story short, long story short, um, I was on um, Social Security, believe it or not. Um, and they, they, they supplied me with enough money to pay my bills and stuff. And one of the things I would treat myself to at the time was, of course, cable. And the cable we had up until about 2000, mid 2002, um, enabled me to, um, record, order, uh, pay-per-views if I wanted to. So I would order, being a wrestling fan, I would order uh, WWF and WCW pay-per-views and even, on occasions, ECW. You know, just to see what was going around. I, I think I even recorded, uh, what was it, the IG, IW, IGW uh, pay-per-view that they did. That one from Australia. I even ordered that one. So I was able to watch wrestling, the premium live events as they're now known. Um, you know, uh, when I could. And Bash at the Beach 2000 was one of my first ones. It was one of the first ones I had I recorded because the, the first one I recorded, I think, was um, Judge, it wasn't Judgment Day. It was, um, trying to think, it wasn't Judgment Day. It was something else. Because I know if I would have had Judgment Day. I know if I would have had Judgment Day. Um, I think it might have been fully loaded. I'm not really sure. But that was my first pay-per-view. This was my second one. Actually, now that I think about it, this was my second one. And I had them all recorded onto one, uh, DVD, uh, one VHS. Um, it consisted of fully loaded, Bash of the Beach, and I think even some Nitro and Raw shows or something like that. But mainly the pay-per-views were um, were fully loaded and bash at the beach. That's what they were. That's what they were. And, um, you know, I, I remember watching bash at the beach because, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, they were trying what they could to get your attention um, at that time with WCW, with the Millionaires Club and the New Blood. And I was watching Nitro when I could, because I'd go back and forth, Raw, Nitro, Raw, Nitro. And I wanted to watch Raw a lot more because, you know, I lived, because before Lawrence, Kansas, I lived in Oskaloosa, Kansas. And even though me and my dad had cable, the one cable channel we did not have was USA Network. And surprise, surprise, not that long after I move out, they decide 
to give this being the cable people, the cable company that my dad was getting cable from, they decided to give him and whoever else had that um, package USA. So they gave him the USA network months, about a year or two, maybe a month or a year after I left. And a uh, little known secret, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, my dad never had to pay for cable um, for, for as long as he lived there. You know, that, that's the truth. He never had to pay for cable. You want to know what happened? Well, you know, I know I'm getting off track here, but what happened is my, my dad had cable and we were paying it. We had to drive out, I wouldn't say to the middle of nowhere, but to the closest uh, town that had a um, outlet for the, or not an outlet, but a uh, headquarters, a, a building for the cable company uh, because they're the ones that installed the cable for my dad. And, you know, long story short, after we did a couple of payments and even mailed the payments in and all that, um, I would say, honestly, not even at, not even, not even before I finished my freshman year in high school that, uh, basically my dad ended up getting the cable for free. He did. Cause I don't remember once, unless he did it when I was in school. Uh, I don't remember once there ever being a cable bill coming to us ever again. I, I don't remember that. You know, I don't remember it coming to us. So we, you know, soon, you know, and after I moved out, he uh, ended up getting cable for free. Because basically something happened to where obviously they were still in business or they've been bought out by a bigger affiliate. But something happened to where he, and I'm sure he's not the only one, but he and possibly some other accounts got lost. And those accounts that got lost uh, in, the trans in the transaction, the absorption, if you will, of the company into another, um, you know, those people like my dad ended up getting cable for free because their accounts got lost. And as far as I know, they, they never... Um, they never contacted him after that. Even after he uh, moved out and moved to Topeka, Kansas, they never let him know about it. They never did. And if he wanted to, but he never did, he could have given my grandma cable. He could have done a little hookup from his house over to hers and gave her cable, but he didn't do that. But yeah, he ended up having cable for, for free for quite some time. Anyway... Getting back to what I was saying, um, I was catching up on Raw a lot more because being in Oskaloosa, Kansas, with that cable affiliate or cable company, they never gave they never gave us USA, never did. Uh, I think it was part of another package, but my dad didn't want to pay for it, and then all of a sudden, like I said, they just gave it to him for free, and I'm sure others as well. So, anyway, long story short, um, I'm recording. Uh, the pay-per-views because I got myself a VCR. This, this was before DVDs. Uh, I got a DVD player, I think, a little afterwards and everything. Uh, I know DVDs had been out for at least a couple of years at that time, but they were really blowing up um, at that time. They were blowing up in, in the early to mid-2000s, uh, even though they had been around since about, what, mid, late 97, 98. Um, but anyway, they were really blowing up at that time. And, um, you know, like I said, 
uh, like I said, basically, um, you know, I bought myself a, a VCR and everything, and uh, basically, you know, started to record, like I said, Raws and, and Smackdowns and even some Nitros and Thunders when I could. And the tape that had the Thunder on it, the infamous May 3rd, uh, 2000 Thunder with the, you know, the New York rules matches and all that, that also had Bash at the Beach on it. And I, I remember, uh, basically, you know, I remember basically, um, you know, watching the pay-per-view and like I said, WCW had done what they could to really, um, what was it? Sorry about that. Hold on. Hold on. Like I said, WCW had done what they could to get you invested with the Millionaire's Club and the New Blood angle. A Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood storyline. And, um, you know, like I said, they'd done the, what they could to, you know, get your attention. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, the phone rang. Found out that my sister's, older sister's power went out. Uh, in Patterson, apparently somebody um, crashed a car into a, a power pole or something happened and it caused a lot of the streets around her area, if not most of Patterson, to shut down or at least half of Patterson to shut down or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, so I do apologize. Like I said, the phone rang. Uh, but anyway, what was I? Oh, yeah. Like I said, you know, uh, they were they were building up. Uh, bash, you know, WCW was doing their best to really get your attention. And I will admit, you know, watching uh, the New Blood versus Millionaires Club storyline, it got my attention. I'm sure it got everybody else's attention, uh, especially when you found out who, you know, was, you know, pulling the strings creatively. Because, uh, you know, you you didn't know really that it was Russo. I mean, you heard rumblings, and if you had access to the internet at that time, you kind of had an idea of who the power that powers that be was. And to see that it was Russo and to know, because his thing too, you know, I didn't have access to a computer even after I graduated. So when I you know, went to Independent Sync when I could, I was able to, you know, be on the computer a little bit, learn through studies, through little classes there as well as have some free time. And that's how I kind of find out, found out that Russo was the one behind what was going on in WWF. And now he was over in WCW. So, you know, so it was, um, it was interesting to find out, you know, that he'd been behind all these infamous moments of our, on WWF recently, and now he was trying to replicate that in WCW. Um, and, you know, whether you like the man or you don't, whether you feel he's a, you know, a pathical, path, what's the word I'm looking for? Whether you believe, whether you like the guy or you don't, or he, you feel he's a pathological liar or whatever, excuse me. You know, and he likes to 
fabricate, fabric, you know, fabricate, you know, history uh, in his favor. You cannot, you cannot, excuse me, you cannot uh, deny that he did what he could to try to get your attention. And he did what he could in WCW, there's no doubt. Uh, was some of his ideas good? No, they were not. And um, I think he realized basically, basically after, you know, he was told by the higher ups, hey, we're going to do it this way. You know, he was basically, you know, he, you know, he basically realized that this, he was in a no-win situation. Let's be honest. The guy was in a no-win situation when it came to this. We all know that. You know, he tried to basically implement his vision of Crash TV onto the audience, onto the fan, the Southern fan base, you know, that was going international worldwide of WCW, like he had done with the Northern fan base, fan base of WWF that was, you know, basically skyrocketing up into another hemisphere, if you will. Getting some Dr. Pepper there. Um, but um, any, but anyway, long story short, you know, you know, he, him and Bischoff working together during that time frame on screen and behind the scenes, it did make for some, it did make for some interesting television, like, you know, like I mentioned. And, um, and basically what happened, happened with Bash at the Beach, like I was saying, it was, I think it was the second pay-per-view I had recorded. I think, I think it was the second or third one because no wait a minute, I think I'd recorded Great American Bash or something I think at least they recorded the middle portion of it um, I, I believe but I do remember what recording fully fully loaded WWF pay-per-view in Bash at the Beach and I remember watching it like everybody else and enjoying it and then we got to the main event or at least what they that's uh, well at least we got to the you know, main event of the evening, which was kind of weird. It was in the middle portion of the show. And I think they had uh, something else going on um, as well or something. I think the original idea was it was going to be Goldberg and Nash main eventing the show and closing out the show. I think that was the original idea uh, until what happened. And, you know, they did elaborate on that here in the episode. Basically, what you hadn't heard, you were getting a recap of it, but in more detail with this episode. You know, and everything, and probably getting more detailed than you thought you had origin than you originally thought you would get uh, when you first heard about what happened behind the scenes. So, um, anyway, anyway, um, um, anyway, they they get to that moment, that moment at Bash of the Beach, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll be truly, truly honest with you. You know, I going back and watching. Go, going back and remembering the build for Jarrett and Hogan from watching what I did on the replays of Nitro and then the Thunders that came on, you know, on Wednesdays and Thursday nights before SmackDown, or at least the Wednesdays before SmackDown, because you know, SmackDown was on Thursdays, I think, you know, at that time. I'll tell you honestly, the build that they had for Jarrett and Hogan, they didn't talk about this in, um, they didn't talk about this in uh, the episode, but to me, something felt, and I don't know if I'm the only one that felt this, but something felt off to me, like, you know, okay, we're going to get Hogan and Jared, but 
why wasn't I, why, why, why am I not excited? Why am I not excited of, we're going to get Jared and Hogan at Bash the Beach? What, why do I feel like something is off here? Because there was, there was something off. And, you know, obviously we got our answer. You know, we obviously got our answer as to why we felt something was off because, you know, we ended up getting what we did, you know, as a result. And they did touch upon that. You know, they, they touched upon the fact that, you know, you know, and, and, I'll, you know, and, I'll, and I'll give them credit. They, they ran the gambit a little bit, kind of recapping Russo's run in WWF before coming to WCW and everything. How he, according to Russo, uh, went to Vince and, you know, told him, let me look at that. And told him, and basically wanted to look at the script. And he basically, from what Russo said, he looked at that script and he says, you know, Vince, whatever you have planned for that script, throw it out the window because, you know, just because just when they, and he's referring to WCW, thinks we're going left, we're going to go right. In other words, in other words, Russo was telling McMahon from his own point of view when he started to take over and help create the attitude error that instead of going in the predictable direction that WCW always felt WWF would go, they're going to go in the opposite and surprise them. And by doing so, created Crash TV, which is, uh, according to Russo, the implementation of short match, you know, backstage segment, vignette, short match, backstage segment, vignette, uh, vignette, short match, backstage segment, boom, 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 boom. And that's kind of what created the Crash TV because you basically had the audience, you know, wanting to switch over to, uh, to Nitro to see what was going on. But because you were doing all this at a fast, you know, fast breakneck, breakneck pace, you know, it was hard for them to, to do that, you know, because they were, they had, they ended up having their eyes glued to the product. And I think honestly, with Russo explaining that's how things were then, I think that's why sometimes we, when you look at the product now with WWF, they're still implementing that. They're still going by that same uh, pattern, if you will. You know, not as much, but you could still see the lasting effects with today's product, in my opinion. And I think that's why some people, uh, like a, a just Alex or a JD or a Solo Monster, you know, they might find good in you know in you know in a three-hour RAW. They might find good in a two-hour SmackDown. But it's that breakneck speed of boom, 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 boom. You know that Russo basically implemented when he you know was running things creatively. You know, you know it's it's basically because of that lasting effect that you still feel today, as to why you know people are not used to it. You know, are not so used to what they're seeing, or they're trying to become accustomed to it, but not as much. You know, because it's it's something that you know back then. Hey, you know, hey, that could have that worked. That was fine, but now it's 2023. It's not going to work. You know, you need to be slower. You need to slow things down. You need to let things build and all that. So, but yeah, he he basically uh, talked about that. And then he talked about the fact that, you know, they did touch upon, I should say, that he was getting exhausted and wanted to have kind of a, a change of pace. He wanted to uh, He wanted to be with his family more. Or at least have his family closer and all that. Or at least have, 
you know, his family, he basically wanted to move his family to be closer to his wife's family so that the kids would have somebody to help her or that so she would have somebody to help take care of the kids. And from what he mentions here um, in this episode, and he's talked about this before, you know, Vince McMahon, when he mentioned what he wanted to do, did not miss a beat, turned around and said, why don't you f hire an effing nanny to take care of them? And when Vince and when Vince McMahon told him that, you know, to Russo, that was the last straw. He said, you know, all right, if that's how you feel, I'm out of here. Because to him, you do not tell an Italian-American, find an effing nanny to take care of the kids. Family means a lot to the Italians and Mexicans, you know, and any authentic, you know, race, blacks, Mexicans, you know, Latinos, Italians, you name it. Family means a lot. So for someone like Russo, whether you believe this or not, that was the last straw for him. And then before he knows it, that following weekend or the next weekend, he was with WCW working with them uh, behind the scenes and on camera uh, or behind the camera, at least faceless as the powers that be until spring of that year. Uh, they did have Bischoff on here. The, the, the talking heads they had on here were Bischoff, Russo, Lance Storm, and Jeff Jarrett and Dave Meltzer. That's who they had. So, anyway, um, anyway, basically, you know, they, they touch upon, like I said, you know, you know, Bischoff being let go because, you know, they just felt like he, I guess the higher ups at WCW at Time Warner just felt like he wasn't having it anymore and all that. And then that's why Russo got brought in. And then, of course, they did focus on Russo and Bischoff being brought together. And Russo basically said, I think it was Russo uh, that said this, he got a call from Brad Siegel. I think it was Brad Siegel he talked about. And he said, Brad wants him to meet with somebody. And Russo didn't even have to ask who it was. He instantly had a feeling, he instantly knew and had a feeling that the person Siegel wanted him to meet with was, was Bischoff. And the idea was to have them to have them both work creatively behind the scenes, if not on camera. And that's how we got the new blood, you know, on camera as it was with them leading. Now, Bischoff basically says, you know, that he was all for it. And that Russo basically does it creatively, basically in Bischoff's mind, Russo it was and probably still is in his mind, uh, his point of view, uh, creatively bankrupt like he doesn't know what he's talking about because they do touch upon um they do touch upon you know bischoff wanting to be, be more real you know more reality based and you know it starts with hogan and of course we know that they had to cater to hogan wanted to keep things a little more cartoony as like 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 they used to with dungeon of doom and all that you know with a dose of reality thrown in there or realism thrown in there but but then, um, but then, uh, what happened is he says he gets a phone call from Dallas Page saying Scott Hall want, is, go, is wanting is leaving WWF and coming and wants to come and negotiate with WCW, and then that's when Bischoff realized up oh, got my storyline right there, my storyline for the summer, if not the storyline that's going to elevate us to that next level. And then he said almost immediately got a call from Nash, and the rest is history. And the NWO was bored. 
you know, out of that, especially with Hogan doing what he did at Bash at the Beach 96. Um, anyway, um, after that, you know, they, after that, they do talk about how the company was doing well for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, Vince Russo, you know, on the other side, when he was still with the company, I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, took over and did what he did with the Crash TV, the boom, boom, boom. And then we, you know, and then they get to, um, W, uh, they get to the time, like I said, of New Blood and everything, New Blood, Millionaire's Club, and, and, w, and WCW. Now, they did talk to Lance Storm in this, and uh, Lance um, mentioned that he had negotiated his contract with both Bischoff and Russo. And that Bischoff, well, not Bischoff, but Russo looked at him and came up with and decided that one of the ideas he wanted to come up with you know, just by looking at Lance was, what if we make you Eric Bischoff's illegitimate son? And Lance Storm looked at this like, like, uh, you know, basically, what, what is Russo? He didn't say this in the episode, but just his expression and the way he explained it in the episode was basically like, what is Russo smoking, right? Because Lance Storm basically, you know, said it in this episode, how would that even work? Bischoff is 10 years older than me. How would that even work? And everything, so obviously they went with the the uh, idea that he was going to lead his own faction, Team Canada, and he was going to rename all the championships, you know, uh, that he would win. He would rename them with Canadian names. Um, but yeah, they did like I said, they did talk about the the whole New Blood Millionaires Club stuff and how it blur reality and everything. They talked to Jeff and everything, and. You know, Jeff, uh, I have, you know, despite how you might feel about Jeff, you know, whether you, whether you want to assume a Jeff Jarrett position, or, uh, you know, because you believe he didn't, you know, draw a single dime, you know, he didn't drink a single dime, didn't draw a single dime, despite bashing so many freaking guitars and all that, or breaking a lot of guitars. Um, Jeff Jarrett, you know, he, he grew up in this business, we know that, and he was raised basically to acknowledge the fact that the real boss is the fans. That excuse me, that you give the fans, you know, what they want. You give them what they want. You know, uh, whether you think it's right or you don't, you give them what they want. You don't lose. You don't. You basically do not lose the trust of the fans. You don't do that because if you lose their trust, you lose them. You know, pretty much. Or if you confuse them, you lose them. And the whole thing at Bastard Beach was pretty much what Jeff Jarrett felt it was going to be. You know, a confu it left them confused and it caused, you know, WCW, you know, to lose them. You know, that's what happened. Because apparently, apparently they were discussing the ideas and all that, you know, as to what was going to happen, right? You know, what was going to happen. And, you know, they... Russo brings up the several scenarios that he came up with the, the once because basically Russo was very adamant that he did not want Hogan walking out with the title. He didn't. And he he mentioned basically that he went there was one scenario he came up with where Hogan would beat Jarrett, but he would not win the title. Uh, there was another Hogan didn't like that. So there was another scenario where 
he went to Hulk and he said, well, what if I make you look even more invincible? You take down Jared, you take down Scott Steiner and any other New Blood member, but you don't walk out with the title. And he said Hogan was cool with that. And he felt like, hey, we're good to go. We're good to go. Um, of course, Bischoff has another view of things and how things went. Because basically, Bischoff essentially said, and this was the main thing about this episode, Hogan had creative control in his contract. And there was a lot of things that was revealed. Well, some things revealed in this episode that pretty much uh, clarified that Hogan could pretty much nix any outcome, you know, of a match that he was involved in. You know, if he didn't want to go, if he didn't want to go over one way, you know, he was going to nix it. If he didn't want to put over a certain person, you know, one way, he was going to nix it. Stuff like that. So. You know, he had that creative control uh, clause in his contract. And I think it was Meltzer or Jared, one of them, that said, you know, that doesn't work. You know, that, that, that's a conflict of interest. You know, if you are not the owner of the company, then you should not have creative control of anything. But Hulk did. He had that in his contract, you know, pretty much since day one. Since, he, since the first day he walked into WCW. He had it in his contract. You know. Um, anyway, you know, they, they mentioned that, you know, Russo, you know, came, like I said, came with Hulk with the second scenario and they, he felt like, okay, we got something going here. The, but then here's what's interesting. Russo then says, Russo then says he had a meeting that week with people at WCW and he asked unanimously across the board, who should we put the belt on? Who should we put the belt on? And they all said Booker T. So the plan was Hulk was not going to walk out the champion. And Russo mentioned this later on. The whole plan was he was not going to walk out the champion. And that basically Booker T was going to be the one winning the belt. That That's what was going to happen. Now the other story going around is that, you know, the idea originally, and this has been talked about a lot, that... You know, they were going to do the scenario to where Hulk, uh, you know, would put his foot on Jarrett, just, just as we all saw at Bash at the Beach. And um, basically, the scenario would be, the idea, and this is what Russo mentioned in there, Hulk would leave WCW with the belt. And make it, make it look like, if not make it very clear, in a re, very real scenario, he was not coming back. So... With that idea, you had, I think it was Russo or Bischoff. One of the, no, I think it was Bischoff. Yeah, it was Bischoff, I think. That, you know, it made it seem so real. It made it seem very real that they would have to, you know, in a believable way, you know, do a tournament to crown a new champion. But the idea would be that once they get to the finals at Halloween Havoc, just before the match between the two finalists um, happens, Hulk walks out and says, uh-uh can't do this because I've got the, I'm the world champ, I've got the belt. And I'll admit, I'll admit as strange as a, I'll admit as strange as a outcome as that would have been, I think that would have worked. I really do. I think that would have worked tremendously because you turn, because I think they've mentioned this, not in this episode, but they've mentioned this on numerous occasions. You would have turned that tournament final into a triple threat. And Hulk 
doesn't do, as far as I know, has not done that many multi-man matches. So him doing a triple threat or a three-way dance against whoever the two finalists were, I think would have been tremendous. I think it would have been uh, tremendous. I mean, true, he may have not gone over, which probably was part of the agreement. We'll never know. But still, I think it would have been a good idea. I think it would have been a good idea, but uh, they didn't do that. They did not do that because what happened was um, what happened basically, and, and this is where things get confusing because it's you know, it's like Jericho who narrates the, who has narrated the series so far said, you know, things got murky because. You know, going back to what I saw, talked about with Russo make, you know, coming up with that second scenario for Hogan, Hogan was all for it until the day of Bash at the Beach when Bischoff basically tells him, you need to go talk to Hulk in his trailer. And Vince said he went in there and it was basically two against one. And that Hulk and Bischoff had decided Hulk wanted to walk out with the title. And Bischoff on here basically said, Russo never had a vote. It was my decision. I'm the one calling the shots, you know, along with Hulk. You know, Vince thinks he has the vote, but he doesn't. And what's confusing about this is later on, Russo mentions that, you know, the idea he came up with and that we saw unfold at Bash of the Beach, you know, that night was Hogan would do the one foot over Jarrett like they had agreed upon, you know, but then Russo said part of the, he, that part of the idea he had, part of that ad that he added on to to really make it feel real, is he would go off, and you know, he would come back out, come back out, you know, and shoot on Hogan about what happened, book the Booker T Jeff Jarrett match, crown you know Booker T champion as you know unanimously voted on by people at WCW, and, and Turner, you know do that, you know do that if you will, and then go from there to where I think the idea would have been. Now, the idea would have been now Hogan, Jarrett, and Booker T at Halloween Havoc instead of a tournament final where Hogan would insert himself in later or just before the match started. Now, according to Bischoff, Russo never came up with that idea. He is lying. He never came up with that idea. And that basically they, and that basically the idea they, they went with was the one we saw it's just that Russo decided to go behind their back and do what he did, which, of course, infuriated Hulk to where Hulk filed a defamation lawsuit against them. But what was interesting about this is Russo basically says, is when they presented this to the judge, the judge was even complex, complex about this, like, so this is a wrestling show, and yet you, Mr. Hogan, are filing a defamation lawsuit you know, against the Hulk Hogan character, not the Terry Bollea person, but not the Terry, Terry, Terry Bollea person behind the Hogan character. You know, that's what it got confused. And apparently it got tossed out in numerous courts. Or it's, uh, basically it went from one court to another to another. And Russo ended up winning this because how do you defamate, you know, a character, an on-screen character degrading another on-screen character? And all that. It, it, it did not make sense. But what was interesting is, according to Russo, there was a fax, and Bischoff denied this. Uh, there was a fax that came in 
and Russo didn't know about this till obviously the company closed, that it was a fax that came in basically the weekend of Bash of the Beach from Hulk's lawyer stating that he has the right to nullify any outcome. Basically saying he's not going to go through with the decided outcome and he wants to do something different. And that was it. Now they did have uh, recordings, uh, voice recordings of Hulk on the Tampa radio show the day after Bash of the Beach talking about what happened and everything. You know, so they they went on that they went and did that, and Bischoff said Hogan did win uh, something. He did win a case, to where basically he was rewarded seven. He can't say the number. He wasn't told the number, but it was something in the seven figures. It was something in the seven figures. But uh, yeah, even even Jarrett based now even now his thing Jeff Jarrett in this, he said because if you watch the event live like I did. And you watch it on a replay in on Peacock. Uh, basically, Jeff does not come out for at least a few moments. He d he doesn't. It's like almost five minutes before he comes out. You know, his music plays. He doesn't come out. His music plays doesn't come out. And Jeff says he's in the back pacing and thinking, well, okay, what do I do? You know, he he's conflicted. So he basically decides, you know, screw it. Let's just get this over with, done with. You know, let's just get this over with and done with and go from there. And, you know, that's when he walked out. That's when he walked out to the ring and, of course, lied down for Hogan. Now, they did, now Russo did say, and Jarrett even talked about this, Russo met with Jarrett after meeting with Hogan and explaining what was going on. You know, and Jeff was adamant, like, this is not going to work. We're going to lose the fans. We're going to confuse the fans. We're going to lose the fans. And, in a way, he was right. As I mentioned earlier, he was right. Because now all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is something we did not expect to happen. It's like, you know, they figured everything was good. Everything was cool. But now all of a sudden this comes out of nowhere. You know, this comes out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, outside of that, uh, the episode just touched upon things we already knew, already heard about, some things we didn't know uh, and stuff. And, yeah, it's... It is definitely, even though it didn't kill WCW outright at that moment, it definitely left a black eye on WCW, period. And Jared said it was probably the worst, one of the worst things in his career to do because he was always taught to do the right thing in the business. Give the fans what they want. Don't do something that's going to make you lose, that, lose their trust and all that, which you know, pretty much we saw uh, occur at Bash of the Beach. You know, so... So yeah, um, so yeah, overall, uh, besides that, uh, this was an interesting episode. Again, just going over some things we already knew, some things we didn't know, and, and stuff. And, um, you know, Bischoff, you know, he did take a shot at Meltzer. Because even Meltzer, him being on here, he, he, he did say, did kind of drum up a little interest at times. But it was like, you know, basically to Meltzer, it was like, this was just a desperation ploy. By, by Vince Russo and, and Bischoff and all of them to try to get attention on the uh, on the product, on the WCW product. That's that's basically how it came off in this. Like, you know, this this thing was just a desperation ploy. No, he did admit that he liked the change of pace with Booker T being champion. Uh, he did acknowledge Russo did more harm for to the business than good. 
Bischoff took a crack at Meltzer, called him a scumbag, and, and all that. So, so yeah, it's uh, so yeah. Outside of that, though, this was uh, like I said, this was a very, very interesting episode. Again, just covering stuff we pretty much already knew, some things we didn't know, um, and all that. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, one thing that I did learn learn here, and I kind of had an idea about this, is when Hulk gets mad. He gets silent mad. Like, when he gets really pissed off, he gets silent pissed off. And you just better, and Bishop better says, you better be, that when you see him like that, you better watch out for your own safety. And he was, he was pissed. He was pissed off. You know, and so, yeah, outside of that, just one of those episodes to where, you know, pretty much covered what you knew, what you didn't know, you know, some things, that is. And... Yeah, it still makes you wonder exactly, but it still makes you question who is telling the truth? Who is more believable? Is it Bischoff and Hogan or is it Vince Russo? Who's the one legitimately telling the truth? You know, where, because, because there's an old saying that, you know, uh, there's an old saying that in between two truths is the whole truth. Like in the middle, there's the actual truth. Like what, uh, basically about what really happened. In the middle is the actual, actual truth about what happened. You know, so, so yeah, um, can't, so yeah, it's a, so yeah, it, it, it still makes you want to kind of question exactly who's telling the truth, but I think right in the middle, you're going to get the truth. You just got to take the, it's, take basically the pieces that are more truthful and believable from both sides, piece them together, and then you get your actual truth, uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, overall, good episode and everything. And, um, you know, and, uh, basically, you know, like I said, overall good episode. And, you know, all I can say is if you don't know much about Bash of the Beach each, or if you do, and you want to learn a little bit more, check, check this episode out. I think you, you might find it intriguing, interesting, you know, Lance Storm, he was, he was basically like, in this episode, like, you know, because he was on the roster at the time, he was basically like, you know, what is going on? It's like, because he, according to him, himself and the others in the locker room, you know, didn't know whether or not what they were seeing was real or was a work, or was it a work shoot? Like, was it an actual shoot or was it, was it a work shoot? They weren't sure. They were kind of confused themselves. Oh, and I think this was, at, this is, you know, right, you know, right after they saw, along with the rest of us, what happened in the ring at Bash of the Beach. So they didn't know what was going on, whether it was real or not. So even, even they were in the dark, even they were in the dark. So anyway, though, outside of that, like I said, this was um, a, a decent episode. And, you know, as I mentioned, they covered pretty much everything we've heard and covered some things we didn't know about. And again, I'd say check this out. I'd say check it out if you want pretty much a more detail more insiderish you know story on what happened along with you know stuff you probably already know uh next week they're going to talk next week is the season finale which tells me they got a fifth season in the works hopefully and this one is going to be on marty Gennetti. and this is going to be fun this is going to be fun so anyway though guys that's all i'm going to say on my review of dark side of the ring on bash of the beach 2000 let me know what your thoughts are down in the comments below uh, live chat or you know, chat in the live chat if you want to be greatly appreciated also follow me at bwrosis 
Osis Discussions at on Spotify, which is my podcast where you'll get an audio version of this as well. You know, not just a video audio video which you're here, watching here on YouTube, but an actual audio to listen. You know, when you're out and about out on Spotify, follow me there on Spotify at BW Rosis Discussions, as well as all your other favorite outlets for podcasts, except for Pandora. But more specifically, Spotify is the place to check me out. It helps me out with the ambassador ads uh, financially. Also check out the Teespring store for merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Also check out my Patreon. Also check me out at Teespring, guys. We'd really appreciate if you could, you know, look into the merchandise there. Probably buy yourself a, a glass or something like that. Be really very much appreciated. But anyway, though, that's all I'm going to say, guys. And until next time, I will talk to you all later. You all have a good day. Good night.